Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of DWMOD. That's Disagree With Me or Don't. As usual, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. We got a great show for you this week with professional wrestler Mr. Aaron Stevens, also an actor of television and big screen fame, and also known to dabble in a live comedy performance or two. If you're in the Detroit area, you probably saw him perform live at the Diff Comedy Festival in Detroit with the group Flying Chuck, who combines live comedy improv with professional wrestling. But before I give you the rundown and the setup for Aaron's interview, I want to get into some quick hits. Want to give a big congratulations to Bubba Wallace for becoming the first black driver to win a NASCAR race at the cup level and be awarded the victory on that day. Uh, the actual first black driver to win a NASCAR race was Wendell Scott, but a white dude named Buck Baker was given the win and the trophy back that day in 1963. And, uh, oh yeah, NASCAR finally presented Scott's family with this trophy and recognized his victory only a few months ago. Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with the uh, roots and the history of NASCAR and not a very multicultural base there within that sport and fan base. But finally awarding Scott's family with that trophy shows that progress within the sport is still on the move following the ban of the Confederate flag that used to fly regularly all over every raceway on the whole circuit. And it was only a couple of years ago they finally banned that flag on t-shirts flying the flag bumper stickers anybody that wanted to be on the infield or enter the race you were not going to be displaying the confederate flag which is a big move for that sport and Bubba Wallace was single-handedly at the forefront of that whole movement I mean we all remember the noose incident we all remember the noose that was hanging in his assigned garage at the Talladega Speedway we all remember how people uh, rallied to the defense of the noose saying ridiculous things like that noose has been there for years it did, did, didn't get there this week just for his race we tie all the handles like that like nooses a point to which intelligent people didn't even bother to argue back against because they were making our point for us thank you so i guess it was only fitting that bubba should win his first race at talladega speedway I mean, you couldn't write that up any more poetic. So congrats to Bubba. He's bringing a lot of great change in a sport that desperately needs it. He's doing it in a positive way. And there's a ton of fans that really are responding positively to him. He's got Richard Petty in his corner. The whole thing is great. And quite frankly, uh, one of the most difficult things I would imagine to try and accomplish in professional sports to bring that movement to that crowd. So congrats to Bubba. Our next big congratulations goes out to Tom Brady for becoming the NFL's all-time leading passer. He now holds every all-time leading record ever. He also becomes only the fourth quarterback to beat every single NFL team, joining Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and my personal favorite, Brett Favre. So congrats to TB12. He's hunting down another ring at 44 years old, and it's just going to be fun to watch. Congratulations, man. This next one, I just got to bring it up again because it drives me crazy every single week in the NFL, and that's the P.I., the pass interference stuff, the offensive pass interference, the defensive pass interference. It's got to stop. They got to do something to fix this thing, man. Like I stated before on this show, you've got a problem with your rule when your rule becomes a part of someone's offensive playbook. When they come out in the huddle and the play is get a P.I., I mean, it's become a part of offensive strategy. The rule's so bad. These guys know when we're desperate and we're in a spot where we got to get a chunk of yards here or we're dead in the water, 
They'll just run somebody down the sideline into double coverage, chuck a jump ball over there and chuck it in a way where it's not going to get intercepted. It's way out of the way. And, you know, hopefully we'll get a PI and we'll pick up the first down. You got a problem when that's part of somebody's offensive strategy. This has got to be fixed. It's ridiculous. This week in the Browns game, uh, that offensive pass interference call was brutal. Uh, we got to do something to fix this NFL. Get it together. And the last thing I'm going to bang the drum of change for, and I'm going to do this every damn time I come on the show, is the targeting calls in college football games. Uh, this It's ridiculous, man. Come on. you got to change this rule. Kids are being ejected from the game, and then they can't play in the next game for colliding helmets or if your forearm hits a guy in the shoulder and neck. Uh, it, it's it's ridiculous, man. If you're watching college football, you know what I'm talking about. This rule needs to change, okay? And it's a simple change. Get rid of the ejections unless it's an egregious helmet-to-helmet targeting call. And those are easy to see. Those are easy to tell the difference on. These kids keep getting ejected for playing fast and tackling hard, and the ball carrier is running and changing direction as he's being hit. I mean, I, I'm fine with throwing a 15-yard penalty on it, but quit ejecting the kids for that. A lot of times it's something that can't be avoided, man. It's a fast game built in with collisions. And we've discussed it before on the show. The ones that drive me right out of my mind and make me want to jump out of my chair and pull my hair out is when the defensive player is ejected from the game, when the offensive player is running and diving for a first down or diving for the end zone. Uh, he's completely launched himself forward with the football, and the defensive player does the same thing, and they come out and tell us the defensive player launched himself helmet first, the offensive player launched himself helmet first. And as I've stated before on this show, that should be a no call. When two players both leave their feet and dive into an unoccupied area of the field and collide, that has to be looked at as inadvertent contact. If it's inadvertent contact, you can't blame either player. It just seems so simple to figure out, man. Just get it together. <laughs> Hey, that's it for quick hits this week, and now we want to move into a new segment, real quick segment we like to call Knock It Off, all right? This segment is directed right at you, sports media, sports talk. This is directed right at you. I am tired of turning on my radio or my television and watching you just make shit up. I mean, we're taking a page right out of the political book now. We're just making shit up to talk about, making shit up so that it's controversial. We just want to make everything up because that gives us a hot take and then we have something to talk about and it's disgusting. Because it always just comes from a place of being negative and tearing shit down. Or simply just making something up so you appear to be the reporter that broke the story. There is no story. You made it up. For instance, like we discussed last week, Major League Baseball's witch hunt on the pitchers and the sticky tack and them coming forward and saying that's the reason that baseball's uh, ratings are down and hitting is down and nobody wants to watch the games because they're boring because these pitchers are just cheating and no one can hit. And they don't want to tell you the truth that it's because they've overvalued the home run and analytics over the last 20 years and a new generation of hitter has been raised to come up through the ranks to do nothing but swing for trajectory, uppercut swings, strike out or hit a home run because that's where the money's at. 
and now we've got a whole generation of guys who just can't hit. But we're going to have a nine-second trial on the mound on national TV and point the finger at the pitchers. It's ridiculous, and nobody's buying it. And the sad part is you got ESPN and guys who I really respect, like Buster Only and everybody on there, running with this story. Why? Because that network's got a Major League Baseball contract, so they're on board with the message. And these guys just toe the line, and they line up, and they talk spin rates, and they talk how it's all these pitchers and this sticky tack, and I'm like, All right, knock it off. Knock it off. This next one had me uh, all fired up. I'm listening to Sports Talk in the, in the morning radio show, and this is after week one of the NFL, and they were talking about Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh going for it on fourth and one in their game against the Chiefs to try and hold the ball at the end of the game so Patrick Mahomes wouldn't get it back and win the game. And, you know, you've seen the video. Harbaugh goes over to, to Jackson, and he's asking him, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? And Jackson says, hey, let's go for it. And then Harbaugh says, all right, man, let's go for it. Sends them out there. They go for it. They get the first down. They win the game. And then on Sports Talk, I have to listen to – not how great a moment that was for a coach and a player. I got to listen to somebody break it down in a manner where they said, I think this is totally uh, John Harbaugh passing the buck. This is just him passing the buck so he wouldn't be on the hook. He didn't want to make the decision to go for it, so he made sure to ask Lamar Jackson, and then when Lamar Jackson said, let's go for it, now it's on him. And if they didn't get it and lose the game, then he can blame him. And that's what he did, and it was cowardly. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. I mean, you're just making shit up. You're, you're just making stuff up, man. That's not even that guy's character. We all know who John Harbaugh is. We all know the Baltimore Ravens. We all know the toughness that team exudes every single year. You're not playing for that team unless you're a tough guy. Go for it. Buy in. Uh, those guys will run through a brick wall for that guy. That's why the Ravens are great every single year. So to try to paint this guy as some kind of coward that was trying to pass the buck to his player, just stop, man. That was a great moment between coach and player, and let's enjoy it that way. Quit making shit up. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. In Detroit Tiger baseball news, a, a recent tweet was making its firestorm way around Twitter as one fancy reporter decided to state that he had some inside information that the Tigers are looking to add a couple of bats on top of bringing Torkelson and some younger guys up next year to make a run at this thing. They know they need more offensive firepower, so expect them to trade some of their good young pitching, and it's probably going to be Casey Mize who's going to get traded for some bats. What? All right, knock it off. Knock it off. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there is no truth to any of that. The Tigers are not considering trading Casey Mize. I mean, this is a young pitcher who had a great year. He's looking good. We got a nice staff of young pitchers. We're not looking to deal away our young talent for a few more bats. Makes no sense. And the guy did it just so that his tweet would go all over the damn place. And it did. And that's the problem. I mean, just just stop. Now, there's a huge push right now to fire Urban Meyer. And let me just tell you, um, I think the guy should absolutely not be the coach next year. I'm on board with this thing, okay? He needs to be gone. But you understand that they're not going to do this right now. I mean, the guy's track record speaks for itself. We all knew the rumors of the, the illness in Florida and why you had to leave for health issues and all that. It's now pretty hard to doubt the rumors that it had to do with him you know, running around with co-eds down there and stuff. Now, we'll never know if that's true or not, but this recent video 
uh, tends to show he's, uh, you know, still doing things like that. And then he takes the podium and completely hands us a bunch of garbage as to what that was, visiting the grandkids and having dinner. Come on, man. We're not all stupid. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And now pile that with the continual attempt to hire this guy who was beating his wife and then to bring in another coach who's dismissed from the Iowa Hawkeyes for being a racist. He's going to bring him in right away. And then he's going to go and bring Tebow into the locker room and make a mockery of the whole thing. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. I mean, the guy is just, he's one of those guys where he thinks he can do whatever he wants and he's going to continue to act that way. And this is the NFL, dude. This is the NFL, so he is going to be fired. But this cry out for him to be fired tomorrow, come on, man. You just know that that's not how this business works. So they're not going to fire him after the first four games of the year because, A, you're going to have to put an interim coach in there right now. There's nobody to go out and hire right now. You probably want to chill on that till you see you know, what kind of coordinators are looking to get head jobs toward the end of the season when the coaching hunts heat up and all that. And money, a lot of money on the table. You're not going to just dismiss this guy after the fourth game. You know that, sports media. I know that, sports media. So let's just talk about the story and talk about how the guy should be gone at the end of the year and quit saying fire him tomorrow. You know that ain't going to happen. I don't want to discuss it. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And the last bunch of ridiculousness that I want to bring up is the media firestorm in the sports world that Justin Fields and Nagy, that there is this um, conspiracy theory that Nagy's intentionally trying to tank Fields and there can be no other explanation other than he favors Andy Dalton and wants to tank Fields. Yes, he wants to tank his first-round draft pick that's supposed to take him into the future. That's this guy's intent, just because he likes Andy Dalton better. And there's no other explanation. You listen to anybody, and that's all they have to say. There's no explanation. This guy should be starting right now, and the fact that he's not means Nagy should be fired, and this is intentional. And then they want to point to his game plan, the first game that, that Fields had to start. Like he intentionally put in a game plan for this kid to fail. And now he doesn't want to play him anymore and stuff. I mean, they just can't comprehend the fact that they want to bring the kid along slowly. They don't want to throw him to the wolves. They know what kind of offensive line they got down there. They don't want to throw this kid out there and have his confidence be trashed right away. This Look, I don't need to explain it to you. This is common practice in the NFL for a kid you think needs a little bit of development. You don't want to ruin him. You're going to protect him. Let the veteran play for a little bit. Let him learn behind him, you know, like Andy Reid did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. I mean, this works, okay? This works to give somebody a little bit of time, especially a young kid. And then I had to listen to some knucklehead on the radio this week hosting a show talking about how everyone uses that Patrick Mahomes as as an example. And I'm going to tell you that they're wrong. They're wrong because the Chiefs were wrong. The Chiefs were wrong to sit him for the year. They would have been so much better if they just started him right from the start. He probably could have went to the Super Bowl in his first year. They wasted a year of him on the bench. They were wrong to do that. Oh, okay. Andy Reid was wrong to wait and star Patrick Mahomes to make him sit a year and learn from Andy Reid and Alex Smith and then come out his first year and drop 50 touchdowns. Uh, I think he was right. How, how do you even get on your show and say they were wrong to do that? It clearly worked. They were clearly right. Look at the kid's track record from Texas Tech. 
He wasn't knocking down victories every other week. He wasn't half the player he is after a year on the bench and learning. I mean, and then you got the audacity to jump on your show and say, well, they were wrong, and I've got a hot take. Uh, Whatever, man. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And these will be the same guys that will turn around in their next segment when they get back from commercial and rag on a guy like Mac Jones. Well, just not ready yet. Putting him in there and look at, oh, God, he's terrible. They thought he was so good, and look at him. He's no good. Four games, kids played pretty solid. He's not bad. I mean, you just got thrown into taking over for Tom Brady up in New England, and after four games, the media wants to trash this kid and drag him through the mud, and then you wonder why coaches go, you know what, maybe we bring him along slow and don't throw him out there right away because we don't want his confidence ruined. I mean, you just can't make up your mind. It's the biggest problem in sports talk radio nowadays, hands down, is to intentionally take the viewpoint of opposition just to take the viewpoint of opposition, even when you know it's dead wrong. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. Guys, it's okay to just say, yeah, you know what? I think you're right about that. So you can disagree with me or don't on that, but I'm going to tell you this. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. All right, moving into something a little more upbeat and on a positive note. If you've been playing the three-team teasers that Andy St. Clair's been giving us, you've been making some money. He went two for two again this week, both of them. If you played the ones he suggested to you, you took home some cash, all right? I put one out the last three weeks in a row. I'm two for three. If you're looking at mine, you might have made a little cash. I'm sorry I led you astray this week, but I had a two-week streak alive, and then, hey, you know, you can't win them all. So keep paying attention. Keep following the Twitter. Andy's going to keep giving you a three-team teaser, two three-team teasers every week. That's easy money, guys. It's easy money. Check out the Twitter. Get his picks. Lay your bet. Now, we've been running our contest every week. You give me a 16 parlay on the Twitter. First person to hit the 16 parlay is going to get an authentic throwback L.A. Rams Matt Stafford jersey. Now, if you've been following the Twitter, nobody's been even close. A 16 parlay is pretty hard to hit, guys. So we're going to turn this thing down, okay? We're going four-team parlay. Tweet the show with your four-team parlay. And if you hit it, I'm going to send you an authentic Matt Stafford jersey. I'm not talking about no screen printed jersey here. I'm talking about one of the ones you pay like 200 bucks for at the store, man. Hit us up, 14 parlay, get that jersey. We're hooking you guys up, man. We are hooking you up. Okay, guys, it's time to take a quick break and make sure that you got yourself some better made chips. If you don't have your better made chips, you're not ready for the game. And if you don't have Fagos for yourself and the wife and the kids for the game, then you're just not ready because everybody knows Fago and better made chips. It's the only way to enjoy sports on the weekend. You got to have your salty snack and you got to have yourself a cold Fago. And if you want something a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, a little more high octane for the adults there, then you need to get yourself a big tall can of the official beer of the DWMOD podcast. That's Old English 800, guys. Get yourself an OE, mix it with a splash of orange juice, get yourself a brass monkey and start early. I mean, the football games out here in L.A., man, they're starting at like 9, 10 in the morning. People like to have their mimosas. I like to have my brass monkeys with my old English. Get on it. Give it a try. Trust me on that one. Now, real quick on an NFL note, I got to admit when I was wrong, and it looks like I was dead wrong about the Chargers. I mean, you know, you heard my logic on the last show. I, I just usually a team that has trouble finishing games and only wins four games the year before. I understand rookie quarterback and all that. But you normally don't make that turn to finishing those games and winning those games so quickly. You don't, you know, usually it slowly progresses. Like this year, you'll win a few more and you get up around eight or nine. And next year you turn the corner and being the you know leader of your division. And it looks like they've done it a lot quicker. 
I stand corrected. Herbert is the real deal. I always thought he was. I just thought this year would be an eight-win season. You know, they just wouldn't turn the corner that quickly. Um, they have. They have, and the Chargers look like one of the teams to beat in the AFC. And I'm also going to have to eat a little crow on the Dallas Cowboys. I said it. I was out on the Cowboys. I thought it was a bunch of media hype. Dak Prescott looks for real. That defense that I thought, you know, okay, so you drafted some guys. Uh, they nailed some drafts on some guys. That defense looks legit. And I'm, I'm going to eat the crow on the Cowboys, and I'm going to eat it to the, to the tune of saying, I'm pretty sure they're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. I, it's not that I think that they're that much better than every other team in the NFC. It's just that they're really good, and their division really sucks. I mean, if you look at the schedule moving forward for them, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the number one seed in the NFC. And I don't know. I got to eat the crow on that, man. Got to eat the crow on that. Now, this is normally the part where I say we got a lot to get to this week, so let's get to it. But we already got to it. I already gave you all that. So let's get to my man Aaron Stevens from NWA. And if you're not a wrestling fan, you probably think I'm talking about old school hip hop. I'm not. If you are a wrestling fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the NWA. I'm talking about one of the oldest wrestling monikers out there. I'm talking about the heavyweight championship belt with the most notoriety in the history of wrestling. No belt in the history of wrestling has carried the weight that this thing has carried. I mean, you got former champs like Killer Kowalski, Bruno Sammartino, Harley Race, Jack Briscoe, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, AJ Styles, Kurt Angle. I mean, it goes on and on. And Abraham Lincoln, at one point or another, held what is considered to be a version of this belt. I mean, that's how far back this thing goes. And this is back, you know, we'll get into it during the podcast with Aaron, so I don't want to jump it on there. But if you don't know wrestling, used to be territories everywhere. And this was the one. This was the championship belt. And over the years, this has proved to be the one wrestling promotion that the WWE just could not get their hands on, buy it out. I mean, if you go on the WWE Network, which is now on Peacock and all that, and you can peel through all the old wrestling tapes from like Mid-South Wrestling. Like they bought up all the old territories tapes and everything. They couldn't get their hands on this one. Hadn't been sold, okay? This thing has been going. And recently, to keep it alive, a guy named Billy Corgan bought it. Now, I know you know who Billy Corgan is. Billy Corgan's the lead singer from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, this thing is crazy, right? He's a huge wrestling fan, been involved in wrestling his whole life. And he bought the NWA. And he has put it back on. It's on YouTube. And this thing is awesome. You jump on YouTube and you search episodes of NWA Power RRR. And I'm telling you, you are not going to be let down. This thing will take you back to your youth. They're doing this thing old school style from the promos to the wrestling matches. I mean, when you're watching it, it will be instantly recognizable to you and you will love it. It's great. Now, you may recognize Aaron Stevens by his former wrestling moniker of Damian Sandow when he was with the WWE. Now, you remember Damian Sandow. He played that long-robed scholar and intellect that just totally got over, and it was great. He had a great run in WWE. I'm sure if you Google him and see the picture, you're going to remember immediately who he was. He won Money in the Bank, and I'm sure you remember he had a hilariously fun run as the Miz's stunt double, Damian Mizdow. I mean, that thing was hilariously fun, that whole run. And top it off, they won the tag team belts together. That thing was fun. 
and they rightfully want to slam me for that whole thing. And for a time there, when he left WWE, he was just really kind of burned out on the business, really kind of burned out on wrestling. And this this new run in the NWA has really revitalized him within the business, for sure. And, and I mean, personally, for himself, like he is happy doing it again. And once you get to watching it, you're going to see he had a great run recently. And if you were watching, you know what I'm talking about. He was the apprentice to the question mark, the late, great Joseph Hudson, who passed tragically in June. And, you know, right when they were really getting over and, uh, you know, it was just tragic and really, really sad. But Aaron kept it moving. It took it to the, the national championship belt, which he hilariously uh, coined as the third degree national championship. If you were watching and following that, it was great. And they recently did a big tribute to Joseph Hudson. Real heartfelt. And then Aaron Stevens made a run at taking the belt in his honor. Took on the thousand day champ, Nick Aldis. He had held the belt for a thousand days. And these two had an epic match in honor of Joseph Hudson at a pay-per-view. And I'm not going to tell you what the result of that was because I want you to jump online and check it out. It's a great match. But I first met Aaron and I got to know Aaron doing the Flying Chuck comedy shows at Second City Hollywood. Uh, he's just a great dude, a really approachable, regular guy, man. Came to the Detroit Improv Festival with us, headlined the show out there in Detroit. If you caught him there and you got to talk to him afterwards, you know what I'm talking about. Just a real salt-of-the-earth guy, man. And, uh, you know, so here you go. Enjoy. Here's me and uh, Aaron Stevens chopping it up. So let's get to it. You. Yeah. Yes. I'm Mikey Wilson, and this is DWMOD. You. Yeah. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys Cade Cunningham. Let's roll. Down! Hut! 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 It's 2021, and Sweet Lou Whitaker is still not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. An atrocity. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! The Dan Campbell era has officially started in Detroit, and I'm all in simply for the change in culture that it'll bring. Let the next guy worry about winning. I love it. Down! Good riddance to the greedy NCAA who decided they wouldn't share one penny of their billions in profits with players. Instead, they'll let name, image, and likeness pay the players. Hut! Bye, NCAA. You're no longer needed. Ready? Major League Baseball's sticky tack on the mound trials were nothing more than a witch hunt to hide the fact that it's home run or bust at the plate no one can hit anymore. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. All right, welcome to the show. My man, Aaron Stevens, man. So, how you been, man? Good. You know what? Just uh, with the uh, the world opening up again, things are uh, they're starting to pick up, and that's a good thing. So, I, I really can't complain. So, how you been staying afloat during the pandemic, man? I mean, you know, how'd you stay alive during this thing? We all got our own story. One day at a time. You know, that's that's the key, man. Like It's like with anything else, especially, you know, in the entertainment business, how, uh, I mean, we're, I think we're used to things being fickle at best to where you know you never know what can happen and, and like ups and downs and you know you're literally one phone call away from your dream job or no job and that you know and that can come at any time so i i kind of have a um a theory that people in the entertainment business just kind of dealt with the pandemic better than people that were 
you know, more like steady nine to five and used to that consistency because just you know, 100%. The, the um sporadic nature of our industry kind of just prepares us for that cognitively. So 100%. You're used to being out there and trying to hustle and where's the next thing coming from and keeping your ear to the ground and working and trying to get something. You're used to being a, a proactive in this business, you know what I mean? Instead of reactive, whereas unfortunately, a lot of people that were you know, nine to five in or in the corporate world or whatever, it was pretty reactive. Like, oh man, you don't plan for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I know it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, but you know what? I, I think, um, and uh, of course there was some just horrible things that came out of the pandemic, but overall, I, I think we did better, um, you know, as, as a country than people thought we would, you know, like to where the economy did not completely collapse, um, right. to where there's more people, uh, that are employers looking to hire people. Um, so what a wonderful problem to have, right? You talk about first right. world problems. There you go. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. Economically, man, we, we held on when it looked like, phew, looked like people wanted to tear each other apart and this thing was going to flush pretty quick, man. And, you know, thank God they thank God they got rolling with everything when they did, man, and got everybody back to work and stuff like that. But it's it's slow process, and, you know, people on both sides are always going always gonna to fight over trying to grab some kind of, message to grab a vote you know how that goes yep exactly it's uh it's awful that you know things are it just seems like everything is at, at least there's an attempt with uh, a lot of people to make everything kind of politicized when uh you know what people just want to live their lives you know i think the majority of people want to live their lives and and i i for one would love to get on social media and like not have to hear it from both sides oh, like just like let's man. go on social media and find like a funny dog meme or a cat meme or or something like that <laughs> right. or, or you know like just yeah. whatever but yeah, um, we, yeah we've absolutely forgot uh what social media and the internet was supposed to be for man it was supposed to be for laughing and being in touch with people exactly you know? Like when it first started out, it was supposed to be like, you know, oh man, I've talked to this dude since high school or I haven't seen this girl in years. How you been? Oh, you got kids now? So it was supposed to be like, you know, or look at some funny cat videos and shit, you know what I mean? Yep. And then it quickly just turned down to how quick we can piss on each other's dreams and shit. Exactly. You know where this stuff never happened on? MySpace. So somewhere right now, MySpace is someone's like, yep, well, we, yeah. uh, Looks like somewhere, they're somewhere the in a corner of a bar, uh, Rick is is somewhere. Wasn't that the guy's name that was everybody's friend? At oh first God, time? yeah, I, I I have no idea. But like, yeah, we, we need like the Batman signal with the MySpace signal and just like the <laughs> yeah. social media. Hey, w- what a great idea Rick that back, would be! Well, a social media platform like a Facebook without. Like, you just can't talk about politics on it. I think we just, yeah. we're, we're onto something. No politics, no religion, none of that stuff, man. Just keeping up with your friends and family and people you went to high school with and, and cat memes. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing you can get bashed on is if your video that's supposed to be funny is not, is not that funny. Exactly. But, but don't be too mean about it, though. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be exactly. encouraging. Like, uh, man, swing and a miss on that one. Hey, but keep going, though. Good content. Yeah, yeah good try. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be great, man. Well, I'm glad to see you guys are back in action. Like, uh, I'm sure everybody that's tuning in and listening uh, knows what's going on with the NWA. It's good to see you guys get back, man. That was, um, it, it was so fun leading up to the pandemic. And then when everything was kind of in limbo, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it um, God, it, it's funny, right? Because, um, you know, I was actually, I, I was out of wrestling completely pretty much. And, um, I was in Hawaii filming an episode of Magnum PI thinking like, okay, great. My acting career is really starting to take off now. I'm in Hawaii. I'll, I'll never forget. It was Labor Day weekend. So because of just the filming schedule and, and the, uh, the laws, like I had five days off in Waikiki. Nice. Um, so I'm just going like, all right, 
yeah, this is cool. Now, I mean, Waikiki, you could kind of, it's like America. I mean, there was a P.F. Chang's across the street, but it was still nice. Um, <laughs> right. and, um, now, this is all on Magnum P.I. Dime, right? They're putting oh, yeah, five days. Yeah, oh, not yeah. costing Beautiful. me a dime. I mean, life is awesome. Beautiful. And um, Billy Corgan calls me. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, um, bought the NWA, you know. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to do some tapings. You should come back. No, nah, I don't think so. You got a ticket. So I'm like, oh, all right. So I went, and um, man, when I walked in and I saw the, like the the studio, I just went, oh god, okay, because I, I I instantly like got the vibe of what it was and was like, yeah, oh, you're you're doing it like this. It's great, and, man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, for for any of you guys that haven't been watched this or haven't been exposed to it. Uh, if you grew up on the old, you know, old school wrestling, like this is what everybody's been looking for. You know what I mean? It is absolutely fun. It's fun as hell to watch, man. Yeah, it's great. And, and you know, it, it's funny. And this isn't to knock anyone because there's again amazing athletes today and everything. But like, we are all like men and women. Like we, where you know, the, the majority of us are over six foot two, and two hundred yeah. and you know thirty pounds. Two hundred and thirty pounds is like the average size. Um, I mean, we are just like we're wrestling the way it was in you know the '80s and '90s, and even before that. Like we're, we are that old school, just you know, hard hitting, smash mouth. Um, you know, talk a bunch of smack and then go fight it out, wrestling. And, yeah, um, and it resonates with the fans, man. When you're watching yourself, you can feel yourself sitting there. You feel like you're you're in the stands, you know what I mean? And then the fans that are there, you know, for the tapings before all the COVID and some trickling back now, it's like you can tell that they appreciate it. It's like they're in on it with you, you know, and opposed to the other stuff you see on TV now where it's just like such a uh, uh, high priced, uh, I don't know. I don't want to use the word gimmicky because that's like a swear word in, you know, in, well, no. in, in industry, but it's just, it's too pushed. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, I mean, and, and look, you, there's going to be alternatives and there's going to be what's mainstream. And what, what I think we try to do um, is tap into a market that, it's a lot more close to the nucleus of what this industry truly is. Um, you know, and look, we, we have our fair share of high flyers and doing crazy moves and awesome matches, but at the same time, like the the only real difference is, uh, you know, we concentrate on story. We concentrate on the characters. Like we we have that promo desk where you know when when you get interviewed, who are you? What are you about? What are you going to say? Right. Right. Um, and then, okay, now you're in the ring. There's not a lot of the, I don't, and I don't want to say time wasting and, and fluff, but like our pay-per-views, we have entrances. Um, on our regular show on NWA Power, we don't have entrances. And, you know, like neither did Ric Flair um, when right. he was the NWA world champion back then. Like you, you would walk out and you would do your thing. I mean, it, it, it was a, and, and it was, I'll never forget the first taping, how it was uh, a lot of people were going like, Oh, should we do this? And like when everyone thought it looked good on paper, but it came down to the eleventh hour, and, and there were some people that were really questioning things, like, "Oh my God, what do I do? Like, can can I have my music? Can I do this?" And and I'm just like, I mean, number one, I was still trying to be like actor guy, so I'm, I'm like, no, you know what? I don't need music to get over. I, I don't need music to get over. I just need an audience, and I'll I'll go do my thing. And um, right. but it was funny because after the first taping, everyone was like, "Okay, yeah, we get it." Like th th this yeah. is, this is our own thing. And, um, it's funny cause I've said this before. Um, it's not unlike ECW back in the mid to late nineties in terms of we are simply the, like the rebels We're the alternative. We are the kind of counterculture. 
and right, um, right. and at the same time, it's exciting to watch. So I mean, yeah. and, and we have a variety of characters. You know, we uh, all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, we're, we're contemporary enough in terms of the wrestling style. But uh, you know, look at NWA Empower. You know, the all women's pay per view that we didn't try to oversell, and you know, right, we, right. we we didn't blast out there that like, look what we're doing for women. Look at how great we are to women. No, we just said we're having an all women's pay per view. It's going to be before the seventy third anniversary. Here you go. And the women went out there, and they just absolutely yeah, yeah. just kicked some ass. I mean, I don't know if, can I say that on podcast? We can no, you can, say, you can say oh. whatever you want on podcast. Yeah, the but, FCC but, cannot be involved in oh, this. Oh, good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, they, they just absolutely um, just killed it. And, um, you know, and then following it up with the NWA 73 and, and uh, you know, what, what moments that uh, happened at that pay-per-view. Um, it, it, it was just, again, like – it was the statement of like, okay, this is who we are. And I, like, right. I can honestly that's the say thing that. I love about it is that it, like you just brought about, like there's different shapes and sizes all kind of in there. And it's so damn true. And everybody just owns it. Like you have a dude like Murdoch and then you have a dude like all this. And it's like, they couldn't be more different physically. They couldn't be more different, you know, on the mic. It's just like, everybody's free to, you know, be their own wrestler in this thing. You know what I mean? Like it's totally not soap opered up. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and it's the, um, you know, I think that's what makes us unique is because we have the freedom there to do whatever we want. Uh, and, and I mean, uh, within reason, obviously, but like just the ability to like, I don't have to run every single thing I'm going to say by anyone. Like I can go out there and just do what I want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, like the character, my, my character now for the first time in a long time is I'm just, I'm Aaron Stevens, but I, I, uh, you know, I have a feeling just keep watching because, um, you know, I can only be on this path for so long, shall we say, without giving away too much. <laughs> I got you. I got um, you. I so hear yeah, you. We're keep watching. on that. That's all I have to say. Um, I get you. But, um, no, it, it's, it, it is, it's, it's just a great place. And, uh, and, you know, if you look at us collectively, um, a lot of us, um, we're like the Island of Misfit toys in the ones of like, for one reason or another, like we're not with WWE or, uh, AEW and, um, we all kind of have our own story as to why, but at the same time, like, you know, it, it's not easy to get in the NWA. There, there's been a lot of people who have like reached out to me, like I'm office or something. I'm like, uh, no, right. not at all. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I gotta imagine there's a lot of that going on right now, man. Yeah, but but it, it it's like no, like you you there's a very specific style, um, and there, there's also um, and I, I dare I say this a temperament because our our locker room, I mean, we're a very accepting locker room, um, because you know like the the majority of us that like have been in the business the longest time, um, you know we know what it's like, you know back in the day what it was like to kind of be you know not ostracized but just it was difficult when you first kind of came in so we, yeah, yeah. The, the great thing is is if, if, if you're in if like you're booked on a show and you're there like you're going to be welcomed with open arms but at the same time like you know understand what we do understand that we are you know as old school in the back as we are in the front like we, we, you 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 have to kind of have that respect and just you know show respect you will be shown respect and we will have a great time. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I can't. That should be in all facets of life, man. You know what yeah. I mean? You should never walk into a room. And I, I mean, I don't know. Like, who am I to talk? You know what I mean? Like, I never have had, like, extreme success at any of this stuff. But I'm saying, if I did, I would look at myself. Like, if I was a dude in that room and then someone else walked into that room and I was instantly threatened and felt like I needed to protect mine, well, then I don't. What's mine then? 
You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and you know what? And uh, none of us are like that. And don't give yourself credit. You've had success in other areas. And I, I think it should be like that throughout life. You know, Re- wrestling gets a reputation because I think, you know, we have um, a collection of very extreme personalities. Sure. And, um, you know, when you put all of us in spandex, that just kind of amplifies everything. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, right. but no, like there, there is really a very like welcoming, accepting, um, and, and, you know, I, not one person has been really kind of kicked out of our locker room or not. But, uh, but, you know, again, you know, we are the guys that will pull someone aside and say, Hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to try it this way. And, and again, it's nothing like, um, yeah, yeah. nothing bad. It's, it's just like, Hey, this is, this is how we do things here. This is like the respect yeah. we show. Well, you got, that's any, any locker room, any sport at all, man. You know, and if you want to keep that ship in the right direction, man, you know, you got to have leaders that are keeping everybody on the same page. I'll, uh, yeah. Belichick and the Patriots, you know, I mean, yeah, People can get on it all they want, but it's like, hey, this is the way we do business, and we don't care how good a player you are. If you yeah. ain't on board with where we're trying to get, see ya. Yeah, you and, know? and you know, and, and a lot of that starts at the top. It's uh, you know, with Billy, for sure. What uh, number one, the kind of a human being he is, um, and um, and number two, his creativity, um, but also number three, like who he puts into play. Um, I. I tell you what, I really do not have enough positive, wonderful things to say about Pat Caney, uh, who uh, Simon Diamond in ECW, but uh, Pat is the head of talent relations. And um, I tell you what, man, uh, I've worked for a lot of people. I've worked under a lot of people. Um, Pat has been by far in that position of head of talent relations. He has been the best to deal with. Um, you know, you, you, he, he just makes everyone comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, th- there's really to my knowledge never been an issue or a discrepancy and and he just has that calm cool demeanor about him genuinely loves the business cares for the product and genuinely cares about the talent like he wants the talent to succeed like he's not there getting the right, check right. or whatever i mean he he loves this and um i think that is the the, the biggest thing like with all of us and then you know and sometimes like we have different we can have different opinions on how something should be presented or or whatever but it's like at the end of the day um, the weird thing about the NWA is like everyone has this thing of like, all right, whatever's good for the company, let's do it because we, it, right. it's, it, it's the first company I've ever been in where there is just an unspoken rule. And, and this goes for like Billy too, like where those three letters come first, like the, the, the heritage, yeah, the, yeah. the lineage is bigger than all of us. So like... I- yeah, that, and, and, and it's thing. weird. It's really like the, weird. The lineage is that was one thing I wanted to to bring up was like I, I'm I don't know how many people are really familiar with like obviously wrestling fans are familiar with the lineage there, right? But like not you know like probably half of my audience has some wrestling knowledge and and half doesn't. Other than like you know eighties and nineties WWF and Saturday Night Main Event and stuff oh, like yeah, that, yeah. so so they would be unaware. Like when you're talking Ric Flair and stuff, they're going, "Wait a minute, what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, if you like, if you want, like NWA is like all the the big dogs well, forever like came through this thing." Yeah, and I mean I know Flair's and he's got a bit of a uh, bad press right now, but uh, you know that's not taking away from his legacy in the ring. Um, no, you, I know, mean, you know personally yeah. that that's not like a, a reflection because again I'm I'm not going to comment one way or another. I just don't know the man sure. well enough, um, right? Right, but we're uh, just but talking no, like, about his wrestling, who he is in the wrestling world. Before, yeah, he, like like uh, Dusty Rhodes, you know, you know Dusty right. Rhodes, Harley Race. Um, I mean, my God, like we're talking about history, 
I mean, Abraham Lincoln was held a regional version of the NWA title as a wrestler. <laughs> like, that's a shoot. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so, the truth. And it's like, people don't understand it. Like, this was it before wrestling became it. Like, this was it. These yeah, guys and that, jumped this thing off, you know? That and it helps, blew my yeah. mind that, like, this, I, I still can't comprehend it. I try to scour for the information. But this video library, when, like, Vince McMahon and WWE was, like, just consuming up every wrestling video library there was out there from the territories and for those that don't know what we're talking about like wrestling used to be very territorial you wrestled in certain territories and all the big stars like in the 80s started getting grabbed up to new york and and that's where wwf kind of popped off but all those individual like video libraries of all these guys before they were mega tv stars wrestling were out there and wwe was buying them all up and buying them all up and I, i i couldn't understand why this one sat around dormant for so long and nobody really wanted to buy it up until Billy bought it. And I was like, wait, why? I don't, I never understood that. It's you know just, I mean? it's like the, you know, they, they, they say, Oh, the, the wrestling gods have spoken, but um, it, it's weird. It, it, it's, you know, I, again, I was out of this completely. Like I had no desire to ever wrestle again because I, I felt that the business I grew up loving was dead. And, um, sure. you know, what made me successful in WWE was when I would take those chances and go out there and do my own thing. And, uh, you know, Vince was always cool with it, but like, you know, the, the writers, they didn't like that cause they were, you know, I mean, just out of college and a bunch of little snobs trying to save their job. Right. And that doesn't right. go for all of them. There, there were a couple amazing writers. Uh, Tony Gannon was great. Mike Notarelli was absolutely amazing. Mike Notarelli is responsible for the new day. He fought for the new day when everyone was like, no, 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 no. Mike fought for them and all like Kofi, Xavier and Biggie, like their success. I tell you what, Mike Notarelli was a big, big part of that, and he fought, and he was not a yes man. So wherever Mike Notarelli is, I yeah, I, well, I that's, sure that's, he, you know, I mean that's huge for him then because I tell you what, he's a genius because that thing popped off huge. Yep, and and everyone tried to fight him because he was one of the newer writers and that whole political hierarchy, and it was just like, come on, you know, Ugh. just look at what's working and let's just go with that and make some money. But um, you know, look, unfortunately, the corporate world's not like that, and you just got to right. deal with it, right? Like good, bad, and different. It is what it is. Move on. But um, right, right. No, it's 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 like the NWA. Uh, yes, I mean there have been times where the NWA's been on life support. Right. It, it really has, you know, all but gone away. But the thing is, the history of that title, you know, you can trace it from all the way back, like the Pat O'Connors and and whoever held it before Pat O'Connor. Right. The name slips me, but um, like. That is a that's the oldest title in the country, if not the world, I believe. And and at that time was like the biggest. That like was that was the like one before what you know as WWF in the eighties took off on TV and all that. Like before that, even territorially, like the no, NWA that was the championship was like the championship. Yeah, when you were the NWA champ, like you were the champion, and then they, they had like the, the regional. Um, you know, you had like the uh, the southeastern championship, the uh, you know whatever, um, like the northwestern and, and like the the, the mid south champion. But then right. when like let's say Dusty was champion, he would travel to all these different places and defend the title, and that was the big draw. So that yeah, that that's a that's huge a huge draw. deal, huge deal. Um, like, and it, it's funny because that belt it just has this, and and, and I'm see, I've always been a fan. Yeah, belts are just props, whatever. Like I'll go out there and do my thing, but like. That is the one belt because 
and, and I, I have no problem saying this, WWE's belts look like crap. I mean, you know, it, if, yeah, they've lost some of the allure of what they used to. Look I mean, like come on, me as well. you, you take the Intercontinental belt and you make that thing. Um, yeah, and number I'll one, how are you going to get away with the like? You, you're going to mess with the Winged Eagle. Come on, uh, you know, yeah. if the Winged Eagle was still there, maybe I'd still be in WWE trying to get it. But I don't know, but uh, um, <laughs> like the yeah, like that belt has its own aura. It it really does. It, it, it's like when you see that thing sitting there, you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is what we are like. And and and, and even like you know the pay per views, man. Like it, it's strange. Like and I, I don't. I don't. I never got excited WrestleManias and all that stuff. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, my head's just messed up like that. And I'm like, no. I'm just gonna go there, do my thing. The the ring is square. There's three ropes. If I fall down, the best place to do so is in the middle. I know how to take care of a crowd. I'm gonna go rock them, and that's it. Right, but right. like, even in like the pay per view, when you know, when, when you walk down the aisle and you see those three letters, and it's it's just like there is a it's a different feel, and I. I, I cannot describe it like the when, when we were at the chase, which is um, that's been described as the Madison Square Garden of the Midwest, because all of like the every great has come through wrestling at the chase. Um, and of course, it's a much smaller venue than the garden. But um, which is sometimes a lot better, man. It's more intimate. It's great. But yeah, ahead, I mean, in the garden's still amazing. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to like, you know, sure, sure. Shit on any like other thing. No, I mean, work in the garden is the garden. I mean, it's it's the world's most famous arena, you know, but. Um, but from a wrestling standpoint, like God, like walking down that aisle at the chase and you know, you see those three letters and it's like, like Dusty would always say, you know, you're there and you smell the popcorn and you know, you, you, you feel when you, you grab the ropes and you feel how they're just a little bit wet because of the match before you and, and the, just your, your hands yeah. are a little sweaty and, and there's just all these like different things that are going through your mind um like it's it's a different vibe i mean it, it's just like you literally you feel like you're in a time machine but at the same time writing history and um yeah and, you it's know, a piece of history that's the thing man it's like you know to to use a, an example like from other sports it's like there's a lot of big beautiful baseball parks out there right now man but any rookie that got called up tomorrow if you get a chance to go play at wrigley man they are taking it in you know yeah, what I mean? I mean? You get a chance to go play at Fenway. I'm no Red Sox fan, but Fenway, they are taking it in when they get there, man. You oh know, my God, like yeah. walking through the dugout and being like, man, the guys that have come through here. That's the thing, man. You know? Yeah. And and the fans get that, which is weird. Like our fans, I mean, God, like the first round of tapings, I remember they were like two or three days of tapings. I can't remember. I just kind of, I remember sitting there and like in the back and thinking, wow, they're super pumped, man. Are they ever going to calm down? For three days, it was like they didn't calm down. They were with everything. They appreciated it, and they were like, and and, and I, I think it is. It's just that like there there is a there is a tangible energy when you go to an NWA show that I I I still can't put my finger on, and I, I've been in this industry my whole life pretty much, and I've never seen anything like it. Like I, I and you I can feel it when you're just watching it. Uh, if you tune into some of the just the old YouTube episodes and stuff, man, you can feel it. You can feel it. It take like I will tell you this, like. Um, cause like we're about the same age. If you're like 40, man, and, and you throw this thing on, it will take you back to your childhood within five minutes. You will just recognize what you're watching is the best way to put it. Wrestling. In five minutes, you'll recognize what you're watching and be like, yeah, this is it. This is great. Yeah. It's, you know it's I mean? wrestling. And, um, it's great. yeah, it, it's a, um, again, j just a weird, weird feeling. And then like, you know, you, you sprinkle in the guys like Austin Idol, who again has all but disappeared, but it, at, at one point. 
Austin Idol was the biggest draw in the wrestling business. Um, before Hulkamania, there was Idolmania. Before Ric Flair bleached his hair blonde and did the figure four leg lock, Austin Idol did. More people have kind of imitated and taken from Austin Idol and have drawn money than anyone else. And um, to have him there, it's just crazy. It's, it's like, crazy. okay, so he's, he's and, and he fits right in. I mean, we had the Rock and Roll Express on there. And although it was nostalgic in, in that weird world, it was not nostalgic. It was like, no, this is Ricky and Robert Gibson, and they're going to go fight these two guys. Like, it, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it's just a weird experience, but it's an amazing experience. And it's, um, again, the best decision I ever made um, was deciding to get back in there. And um, it, it was just, again, like something I never, ever thought uh, I would be a part of again. And, um, you know, a couple of us were talking um after one of the tapings and we said you know what we are the only product out there in the world that is doing you know and and, and i i've said wrestling several times which is I'm, I'm referring to pro wrestling the way it was back in the you know the 80s right, and right, 90s exactly. and, and even early 2000s before they went public and sold out to the stock market where it's about again the characters it's about the actual yeah. performers and whatever it is like jim Cornette had a saying he was you know why? Because shit's going to take place. When you go there, shit's going to take place. You know, you <laughs> right, sometimes right. you may know what you're going to see. You're going to see this guy versus this guy or this girl versus this girl or, you know, whatever. But sometimes you don't know what you're going to see. You just know you're going to want to see it because it's going to be something. And um, it, it's just that, again, that wonderful nostalgic feel. And uh, it, it's a, um, I, again, it, it's a blessing. Like I, I thank God all the time. I'm like, okay, wow, I'm back in it. And then, you know, now well, I'm, um, I'm glad to hear you say that, man, because I, I can, you know, like we, we did the Detroit Improv Festival together like about three years ago. And had some and awesome I pizza. I remember that. Talking, wrestling with you. And I can just like I can remember, you know, how, you know, how you were feeling about it at the time. And to hear you say that. And then when I was watching the um, the promo uh, you know, for your title match with, with all this. And they were doing the tribute to, to Joseph Hudson and question oh, yeah. mark and all that. And to hear you talk about all that, man, I could, I could see how genuine you were about that. And that, and it was like, it was really cool to see because I, I had heard from you before how you felt about it. And then to yeah. see how you feel about it now. It was, it was pretty awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh, it's definitely breathed uh, some new life in me. That's for sure. And, um, and you know, and, and honestly, a big part of that was my relationship with Joseph, um, because when, when he was doing his thing where he um, he was a character called the question mark, which was, it was a, great. a <laughs> it was kind of a, um, you know, again, like it, it was a nostalgic character. And, uh, and, you know, look, we're not trying to make believe it's 1980, but at the same time we're allowing wrestling to be a little fun again, where we do have one or two characters that are a yeah. little bit off the wall. And, uh, and he was the first guy that was really like that called the question mark, who was essentially just, you know, he had the, um, like the Jerry Lawler type, the, the long tights yeah. with the, the singlet on it. And he had a mask on with the question. And, um, <clears throat> we were talking and he goes, Oh, what do you think I should be? And, uh, like, like, how, how do you think this character should go? Cause him and I were friends before that. And, I went, well, you, you need a different layer because to, to me in, in wrestling, right, here's like a little secret. Um, the only thing you need um, if you want to get over as a character is some different layers, right? Like I'm yeah, going to right, be, right. you know, um, like Lizard Man or, or whatever, right? Like, and I, 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 that is not a knock on um, Luchasaurus at all. I, that, I'm just no, like, no. We, we can say I'm, I'm going to be Ant-Man, but that's a superhero. So whatever, like whatever your gimmick's going to be, right? And okay, cool, it'll work, whatever. But to truly be interesting, you need to have people go, all right, what's 
what, what's really going on with this guy? Like, what you know, just have him. Yeah. Excuse me, no pun intended. A- ask some questions. And the sh- the show Cobra Kai, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, God, I'm dying to get on that. Um, yeah. Side note: if, if anyone's listening that knows Cobra Kai, yes. Uh, and I have martial arts experience. Wink, wink. Um, All right, you guys but... heard that here, so we'll, we'll, put that, we'll tweet that out from the show so yeah. we can make that happen, buddy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Charles, trust me, my manager's been working on that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a bit of a sinus cold. All good. So I, I was really kind of big on the show Cobra Kai. I'm like, dude, you're going to be a karate master. And he goes, huh? I go, yes. He goes, so, so should I get a karate outfit? No. You keep the wrestling singlet. You're from Mongolia. You know the secrets <laughs> of karate. And you have come and you are going to, you, you, you have the some, some kind of a nerve hold or a strike. And we came up with the Mongrovian spike. And, it's classic. Um, it's classic. But well, but but the thing was, so we go to Billy, and uh, and, and Billy has always trusted me, um, character wise. He he has been so good with that, and like any time he's added input, it's always been better. So it's like creatively, just to get to kind of work in proximity to him is still kind of like mind blowing at times. We go to him. I say, okay, hey boss, listen to this. I go, he is a karate expert from Mongolia, and then Billy just gets this look on his face, and he goes. No, he's from Mongrovia, his own country. And then, like... Parts unknown, bro. Parts unknown. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the next thing, we have the Mong... <laughs> like, because his brother was a graphic designer and came up with the Mongrovian flag. So, like, the next set of tapes, oh, which was, it was only about a month after that. So, we now have this giant Mongrovian flag with a question mark and these two birds on it or a bird and an anteater and like it's so awesome and then it became like okay we're singing the mongrovian national anthem and i I suddenly became a third degree black belt in mongrovian karate in a matter of six weeks and it it was just it was like and people loved him they hated me it was so ridiculous I, i remember we did this thing uh a karate demonstration and um wade barrett was with us at the time and i just remember looking over at wade and Wade was on commentary, and, like, I could see, like, he he had just, I mean, just about broken character. He was laughing so hard, and uh, I was just like, okay, yeah, this is this is working. And Because it was. It was so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Um, what, what happened was, see, I had taken my relationship with the fans, and, and, and I'll say this, it's going to come out the wrong way, but... Um, I don't. I, I, I've taken it for granted, right? Not that I don't appreciate them for everything they are and everything they do, because if it wasn't for them, there would be no me. I just got used to every time I come through the curtain, I'm going to get a, a reaction that's going to be pretty loud, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, right? Like, people are going to react to um, sure, sure. Sure. And not everyone gets that. And to have him kind of go through that and to be like, oh my god this is amazing and then like he would call me and he'd say like i just did an autograph signing at a convention and my line was longer than some other people that had been in the business longer than him and were a little more well known and he goes people are just so complimentary about this he's like aaron i can't believe this and like hey dude it's all you you're doing it man and it was all him but because of our friendship and through his excitement uh about it like I was forced to kind of re-examine my relationship with the wrestling business. And it kind of made me okay with who I was as a wrestler because I still wasn't a hundred percent sold. Like I, um, you know, like the first taping I get out there, I wrestled and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I can do this. Um, you know, whatever. But like th- th- this was far more cathartic in that, like it was really helping me heal my relationship with a business that I hated. And you know this. We, we discussed this sure, over a, a sure. piece of that wonderful pizza that you had in Detroit. 
who now there's a commercial for Detroit style pizza, and I'm just like, oh hell no, like they, these people don't get it. They'll get it. They don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. I had to hide that pizza because everybody was trying to eat it. Cause I, cause I had picked that pizza up specially for myself uh, as soon as we landed, cause I hadn't had one in so long, having moved to LA. And when I got to my room, I put it in there, and then you guys all spotted it, and we're checking it out. It's from a specialty pizza place, uh, Dearborn Italian Bakery, and everybody was hanging out in my room, and everybody was seeing it, everybody was eyeballing it, and I knew it, man, I knew it. And when we got done with the show later that night, it's two thirty in the morning, uh, everybody's hammered, and we take the van and we take it through the White Castle, and I was like, man, get like sixty white castles remember we bought like 60 white castles and 10 large onion chips yep i remember it <laughs> because i knew everybody's drunk ass was dying to get back to my room and tear that pizza up so i hit it and when we got back there you guys were all looking for it and trying to find it i had to tell everybody that pizza will not be consumed in this state that pizza will not be devoured in some pagan tromsings in my hotel room we're not going to try to drive this Cadillac home from the bar tonight. Now, there are 60 Ubers with cheese and extra pickles right on the table right there. Everybody pick a car. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. I remember it. Now, I got to jump in real quick on, on Billy because we keep talking about Billy, and there are people that are listening to this right now who know who Billy is, but I'm telling you right now, probably a good portion of half of my listeners, which is at 3,000 right now, so about 1,500 of you guys. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's a slow grow, man, but we're pretty proud of it. It's been going in the right direction. But there's a, there's a good amount of them that probably don't know who we're talking about. Now, when we're talking about Billy, we're talking about Billy Corgan. Yes, Billy you guys, Corgan. You might recognize that name. Like, this is the head man from Smashing Pumpkins. This is like, you know, this is the guy's the lead singer from Smashing Pumpkins. Now, a bunch of people's heads just went, what? And it was like, it was crazy to me, back like what, like 2017 or whatever, when it, when it was flying around that he was going to buy up the NWA, and I was yes. going, is this the same guy? Like I can remember, we were, had a show around uh, Second City, the Flying Chuck show, and I remember talking about it with you and Brett, and you guys were just talking about it, and I'm like, we're talking about Billy Corgan, like from Smashing Pumpkins? Like yeah. I had no idea. And this guy's been big time involved in wrestling for like his whole life. Huge fan. And um, you know what? As a true fan of the business, combined with his creativity and business savvy, um, you know, I, I, again, uh, I'll be very interested to see where the NWA is, um, you know, five, ten years from now. And, uh, and you know, we're all like, <laughs> we were all talking after uh, the pay-per-view, and, and we're like, this is, uh, yeah, like, this is really kind of starting to take off now. I mean, more and more people are digging the product. and Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it's like, look, if, if wrestling as it has been is to survive, we are the people that are going to, like, get it through. Like, it, it's kind of on us because of the uh, – and, and there are some very good matches out there, but, like, in, in terms of the storytelling and, and how the product is presented, yeah. um, if that is to survive, and, and, and it is a tried-and-true method of it, um, and it's alternative, and, and you know what? One thing we can count on is, like, people will always want to kind of hop on what's next, what's cool, and a lot of younger people are kind of being turned on to the product. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where's this going, and how can I get on that train? You yeah, and, and, and it's what, what I call it beautiful simplicity. Um, like, we are going to be the, the guys and gals that, that pretty much save it. And that's kind of, it's like no pressure, but um, it, it's something that we're all, you know, we feel trained to do. And, and I, I mean, there's just everybody, um, God, like, like, I mean, Mickey James, 
uh, has done such a wonderful job. And, and just like all these different people, you know, and, and, and again, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, like giving everyone the okay and saying like, okay, you do this, you do this, you know, Pat Keeney, you're in charge of talent relations, deal with everybody. Um, and then everyone kind of bringing their own creativity into their characters and, and just wanting to make the best yeah. product. Um, you know, the Pope, I mean, uh, it's funny, about, not, not Pope Francis, but uh, right, right, there, right. there's a wrestler named the Pope, Elijah Burke. Um, you know, him, just how, how great of a performer he is. Oh, my God. Um, you know, work with anybody. Uh, you know, we have Aldis, Trevor Murdoch, who's the champ right yeah. now. Um, Kratos, who really has not, like, he's had success in Japan and everything like that. But domestically now, everyone's going like, who is this guy? And... Um, you know, it's only getting better, and, and, and there are people uh, from AEW that come and show up. There's people from Mexico that come and show up now. Um, there's there's really kind of like that open door, um, but at the same time, it, you know, it, it's funny. Like, when you when you come into the NWA, um, you realize, and, and this is going to, I know, sound like kind of a, a pointless statement, but, like, you, you are in the NWA. Like, you're you're in that locker room and there there is just that feel um you know tyrus sure man who um you know tyrus doesn't need to wrestle he's got his gig he's a you know he's a contributor on a, a news network but um he uh, he comes and he loves it and he gets the business like to, to what a true big man is he is a big scary right. monster right. that will beat you up and is a jerk right you right, know right. And, and and like that to me where is that like like Yes, I, I don't see that yeah. in wrestling. A lot anymore. of the character stuff, uh, Aaron. A lot of the character stuff is like, it, it's like they they don't let these guys be characters anymore. It's no. like it's got to be on the page. And then, no offense to these guys, because there are a few of them that that are that have good improv skills and are good actors. You know, like there, there's a few of them that that are good at Bray that, Wyatt. The rest of them are not. Yeah, the rest of them are not actors. Uh, they're not improvisers. Like the Nemeth brothers are great. You know what I mean? But like oh, the yeah. rest of the guys around that area. You can't hand them a page and be like, now get into this form, be this guy that I just wrote up and be, and it doesn't come across. And if the care, if I don't care about the characters, I don't care about the storyline, man. Yeah. And and then, you know, on top of that, it's like, okay, this is the game plan, but, and you, you, you know, this from improv, right? If you get out there and the crowd ain't buying the game plan, you got to switch it up there. Yeah. And, uh, right. you know, and at the same time, you also have to not kill the guy you're in the ring with. So it's, it's, <laughs> Right, you right. Know, you, but you got to have that ability to let it go, man. Yeah. And it feels like I'm not going to be getting into names because I'm not going to do that. It's not, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't like shitting on other people who are successful. I think that is the most ridiculous no, just, thing you can do. You can have a difference of opinion, but I, I think it's ridiculous when people like trash people who are having great success. Oh, exactly. But there are some guys in those other... Um, you know, lettered moniker wrestling out there that I'm like, man, this, this, nobody really likes this thing. Why do you keep pushing it? Let it go. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and again, it's just with NWA, it's like, we're not really concerned about what anyone else is doing. We're like, we're the ones that are again, like we do wrestling and yeah, like, right. that's, that's, you know what you got, got you know what you got yeah. and you know, you know how, how that bread gets buttered, you know? And again, to me, you're more inside than me, but to me, I'm like, that again is a big nod to Billy because that's just what I would call uh, confidently outside the box. Ton of people nowadays are, we're outside the box. We're outside. It's one thing to be outside the box and that's just intentionally trying to be different. There's a whole nother thing to be confidently outside the box. And you just listen to his music from the era that it was popular in. And you can see that that dude is confidently outside the box and he's right. Oh, you know yes. I mean? Yes. And I mean, like, oh, like th- there's been 
I tell you what, when you when you have a company and you invest your time, your money, and your passion, and then you get to a point where it's showtime, and then you just go to individuals and you're like, okay, go do whatever you want. Uh, that's that takes a lot of um, testicular fortitude, shall we say? Yeah, it's um, a lot of trust, man. Yeah, like that's um, or or I, I uh, or, or let's just say um. I don't want to leave the the ladies out, but you you know what I'm saying. It, it takes sure. a, no, no, no. a lot of courage, you. shall we say, um, like to just be like, okay, go ahead, go go go, do what you do, you know, and and to hope it doesn't stink. But then again, I think that's why the the talent we are all hand selected. Like, if I mean every single one of us, um, if, if you look like we are able to do promos and we are able to go in the ring. And really make it look like we're beating the crap. And and, and that's yeah. another thing like where, you know, when you actually go to the show and, and people have said this when they when they see it. Uh, I don't know if it translates on TV because uh, I, I I don't watch as much as I should, but um, I, I, I never have like we're we're smack. We're we all come back yeah, with yeah. bruises and bumps and some. I mean, we're. We're we're hitting each other. I mean, you're like yeah, you're, you're gonna yeah, yeah. see 250 pound men and beat good the wrestling crap out of too. Each other. You know yeah. what I mean? And good wrestling, like that. Yes. The, that title match with you, you and Aldis. That's that's a great match, man. Oh, thank you. That's a thank great you. match, dude. It's, thank you so and then, much. You know, and and it's so old school throughout how you know the mind games he's trying to play with, letting you know, oh, you've had a good day, you've had a good day, but it's over, and, and yes. just things like that that are so missing from the product right now that you can tie right into and it just brings back all the feels from when you were a kid and you're like yeah this is it this is it yeah because you know again at at the end of the day i I wrote an article for a magazine during the pandemic to go back to your original question what did i do during the pandemic well i i I, i've uh (laughs) dabbled in uh uh authoring my uh my first article (laughs) i don't know authoring's a word but i'm sorry it's late and and i just said like anything else right like improv like comedy like drama, professional wrestling at its very core, at its very best, and I'm not talking about fake fighting in spandex and doing a bunch of flips, but what, what professional wrestling truly is, it appeals to the human condition, and it speaks to the human condition. That's good. Um, and, you know, again, with the world we live in today, to where, like, I, I, I equate it, you know, back... Uh, World War II, or right after World War II, was like the first real kind of research. Like, that's when wrestling became super popular, right? People had TVs and everything, but like, it was a higher stressful time, right? With the the whole thing of what was going on in the world politically and everything, um, you know. And pro wrestling was it was simply an escape. And you know, now look, we live in a fast paced society with um, we have social media and people are talking about likes and clicks and stories and all this crazy crap what i think you know in in this politically charged world and everyone is pushing you know for one thing or another where as the nwa like we kind of have that feel to where no when you watch nwa power you know for about an hour you are just going to get to sit and watch good guys bad and i I say good guys like You know, heels and baby faces, which is wrestling for, you know, good guys and girls and bad guys and girls. Um, you know, like good versus evil, conflict resolution. You're going to you're going to smile. You're going to have a few laughs and you're going to see some stuff that you don't see. And yeah, um, for sure. And that, again, it's that beautiful simplicity that I think, 
you know, even deeper to the human condition that maybe I, I think we all need a break. We all need yeah. a break from it, you know, yeah. to where no, right now more than ever. Yeah. Like not all of us are trying to make a political statement. Like one of the things I, I did not think WWE did uh, the best job of was promoting the women's main event of WrestleMania. And I say that because I, I believe that, look, women wrestlers are wrestlers just like the men, right? Like it's they're obviously athletically there's amazing stuff. And why don't you just let the women main event it and, and let that be enough? Don't don't patronize them, you know? Yeah, right, right. You know, we're, uh, and I forgot who it was. I think it was um, Ashley, um, Charlotte, right? Charlotte and someone else. It was a few years ago. But, like, I felt bad for her because it's, like, almost like they made it bigger and not about the actual women wrestlers. And I felt bad for them because, God, Ashley Flair, and she's she is so talented, Right. Yeah. And and like right. let, and at let's, that let's, time they had like the, they she was doing some of the best wrestling on their program. Let's let you the wrestling I mean? just be about them. That's how and, and to me, that's how equality should be. Where you know what? You guys got the best angle, you guys got the hottest, you know, storyline going on, your matches are awesome. Yeah, you're gonna be main event WrestleMania because yep. you're the best going on right now. Like yeah. let that happen. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, no, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. At all. And um and, and that's what I think NWA is doing more of. Yes, we have the women in power pay per view. Um, frankly, because there's a lot of indie talent out there um that can can do this. So of course it makes sense. Like let's just let them go do their thing and not patronize them. And you know what? We also had them on the NWA Power Show. So it's just you know what? You're gonna see the best of the best athletes, um, men, women, and it, it's it's all good. Yeah, it it it's been great to watch. And now it's moved over to Fight now, right? So you can get the four ninety nine a month. You can get a subscription to this thing, and you get everything on that, right? You get all the oh, pay-per-views. Yeah. You get all the episodes. You know, you get all the NWA powers. You know, it's great. It's yes. great. And and the catalog is on there as well. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, right. So so the old NWA catalog is on there as well. So, you know, again, if this is something that you're like, you don't really understand what we're talking about or you don't know what it is, I, I'm telling you, if you watched wrestling at all back in the day and you're about our age, about 40 years old or so, uh, I'm telling you, just spend five bucks on one month and go in there and just start peeling through some of the library and watching the new stuff. And you'll be like, oh, man, yeah. You know what I mean? It'll blow your mind what you recognize. It just will. Yeah, go to season one of Power, and uh, and yeah, it'll it'll be something. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, from minute one, I, and Brett Gunnell turned me on to that. He goes, "You got to check this thing out, man." And I turned it on, and I was like, "This is great!" Like oh, yeah. immediately, immediately, and, I, was I was like, like "This, this is awesome. awesome." And you know what? Objectively, like when I saw, I was like, "Whoa!" It's it's an easy show to watch. Right? Yeah. It, it, oh, it's, it's like, so easy. It's not like we go, okay, when is this promo going to end? Or when is this, okay, yep. we get it. No, like the, the show has a real flow to it. Yeah. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's one of the easiest wrestling shows to just sit there and yeah. watch. and enjoy. Yeah, you're not going to be sitting through three hours of uh, Bud Light commercials and stuff like that, man. I'm telling you, you're going to just, you're going to see some wrestling. You know what I mean? And and it's, you know, I don't know. It, you're, you're 100% right to say that it's very easy to watch. You flip it on, and I'm telling you, I, I can't tell you guys enough to just just give it a whirl, a few episodes, and I'm telling you, you'll spend the five bucks to peel through the other stuff in a heartbeat. Well, and thank you. I appreciate cheap. it. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. And, and thank you to all the listeners that were not wrestling fans that sat through this. I, I, I appreciate all of you guys a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, and I know a lot of them um, were when they were kids, and people have just kind of grown out of it. And that's why I'm trying to employ you that this will – 
will take you back to that. Uh, which brings me to another point that I should have said this earlier on because there are people who are listening who probably don't recognize your name because they don't know that when they used to watch this, you know, back in the day on WWE, that you were Damian Sandow. They probably, yeah. so I should have said that earlier. I apologize. That's on me. No, I should have said that up front so that they would understand who we were speaking with if they don't follow wrestling right now. Oh, yes. They, they stopped watching when I left. <laughs> <laughs> probably. You know what I mean? Probably. Now, I mean, you had some great moments in there, though. For sure, if they're watching, they know that. I mean, you were the tag team champ with The Miz, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? And then, yeah, now you won the first Money in the Bank ever, correct? No, not the first one, but I, I won Money in the Bank. Oh, um, okay. I'm, I did I had Money in the Bank. Um, I, I, I had an autograph signing uh, about two weeks ago. And I had completely forgotten about this. Someone reminded me that I've I've actually won two Slammies before. I was like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, like I, I just oh, completely right. slipped my mind. So that was kind of funny. Which what, now? What did you win them for? I'm gonna be very honest with you. I have no idea. I, I think one of <laughs> he them just was reminded you of it. <laughs> yeah, what, one of them was for my stuff with the Miz, and the other one I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's funny. Well, now let me just ask you this really quickly. Like, what was your favorite? memory from that that period like your favorite slicer storyline that you had moving during that period that you really enjoyed while you were really just enjoying wrestling that brodus clay and i had some really awesome house show matches and we started to have a really really good feud on tv um and you know for political reasons that kind of went away and then uh cody and i with the money in the bank thing we could have gotten probably another probably at like three to five months out of our, our feud too, which that, that, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, 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 you're probably right. That thing could have went a little longer for sure. Now, let me take you way back to like when you very first, first got into wrestling right now. I think I remember correctly and I didn't look this up cause I pride myself on trying to remember where people are originally from. You're originally from Kentucky, right? Uh, I was were born, born in Massachusetts. There? Yeah. Born in Massachusetts, a small town in Massachusetts, moved to Kentucky. Um, and uh, kind of went from a boy to a man in Louisville, shall we say. And uh, okay. man, what a time that was. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Now, how old were you when you first got into wrestling? Like, what got you into it? Uh, I got it. I was I, 16 years old, met Killer Kowalski at a show, said I'd like to wrestle. He said, come up to the school, started training. And by the time I was awesome. 20, I was uh, on my way to Louisville. That's awesome, man. That, that's awesome. That's like awesome. A lot of those old stories are just like that, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like it happened and that was it. So, uh, and here we are. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, you did some time OVW with Ryan, right? Ryan Nemeth? Or no, you guys were there at the same time? No, right? we, we were there at different times, but we were at FCW times. at the same time. Like, that's oh, where okay. we really that's became friends with okay. FCW. Yeah. Okay. I, I was talking to him uh, when we, like, a probably two years ago on the podcast when he was doing his local wrestling here, we did a episode promoting one of his shows and we were yeah. talking about some of that. And I think I was like, I remember him telling some stories about the two of you road dogging together. Oh, we have some story. Yes. That, like <laughs> if, if you know what, if you ever want to have a fun podcast, like probably the two of us together talking about some of our, road antics that would be uh yeah oh, that man. would be one for the uh the book i would love that i would love that we've been we've been trying to get uh ryan to come back out but he's super busy right now with what he's got going on aew man and his yeah, his uh movie that has taken off a little bit you know that's premiering this week i think in hollywood or something like that he yeah. he's had some you know yeah, did, and, didn't even invite that. me to the premiere i was like really dude come on <laughs> yeah what's up with that yeah. i had to find out about on some email that yeah. i got because i had donated to his project i was like really bro i found out on the email 
Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's busy. He's having some fun over there right now, though. His storyline's pretty fun over there right now. Yeah, no, he's doing good. Yeah, that's going well for him right now. But anyway, I'll get, I'll get back to asking you about now. Growing up, uh, Louisville and stuff like that, just as far as, like, other sports, like, did you grow up being a fan, more of a fan of stuff from Massachusetts or more of a fan of stuff in, in, in Kentucky and all that? Or no, just I, mainly just I wrestling? really, like, I wanted to be a wrestler since I was five. Uh, I, I was always more about, look, I'm going to be a wrestler, and that's all I care about. So that was it. And then in Louisville, I got to kind of get into, like, some, some of the U of L, um, what, U of L, U of L University <laughs> of Louisville, um, basketball um, I went to a couple of basketball games and some football games and stuff like that, but no, nothing too major. You know, I, I was always kind of doing my own thing and um, never really a big fan of uh, team sports, to be quite honest. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough, man. I was I was big time into them as a kid. I don't know. Well, Detroit. Just from the yeah. time I was little, man. I right. was big time into what kind of team could I get on and do something to, to yeah. get out of the house and go do something, man. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, I'd go to wrestling shows and stuff when I was a kid, like until I was in college and me and some of the other guys from the football team went to this local bar and they had a wrestling show going on and it was in Coldwater, Michigan. And it was Dan Severin's Dan, wrestling I was say, school. That's where Dan Severin's from. Yeah, it was Severin's wrestling school at the time. And one of the guys that was on the team was like, yeah, guys, come on out and see my show. And we, you know, he was a nice enough guy, but he was always kind of a goof, you know, like third, fourth string defensive lineman. And he was kind of a goof. And we were like, yeah, we'll come out. And man, it was fun as hell. It was fun yeah. as hell, man. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. Everyone has their own story, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think any of them guys ever uh, caught on and went to do anything, but then, you know, Severon showed up and wrestled and back then, this, we were talking like early 2000, you know, oh, yeah, and it yeah. was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, cool. absolutely, man. I get it. Yeah. It was cool at the time. Oh yeah. No, that's great. All right. Well, Hey man, I just want to do uh thank you again for coming on just because as far as like how much of a regular dude that you are, man. I just wanted to thank you for that. Cause like when I reached out to you to do the show, I reached out to a bunch of people to see if they wanted to do it and stuff. And you had gotten back to me right away, man. And a lot of people don't do that. And I know you're busy doing stuff and, Oh man, you know, my like pleasure. You, you filming a movie last week or something too? Yeah, actually was up in, um, uh, I was three weeks ago. I was up in Albany. Um, so yeah, like acting starting to, you know, kind of take off again. Thank God. Um, yeah, yeah I was up in Albany filming a project with, uh, with Billy Zane actually. And that was, that was the coolest thing because, you know, I, I, I can equate my acting journey with wrestling in that when I wrestled Chris Candido for the first time, and Chris Candido was the first guy I wrestled that had um, that had a name, that was somebody, that was a, like a true professional that I had watched on TV before and, you know, been a fan of and things like that. And um, when I had gotten in the ring and actually wrestled him, you know, the, the light bulb started to go off a little bit. I'm going like, oh, this is how the pros do it. Oh, okay, this is how, you know, and I, I just kind of learned that way. And, um, you know, kind of working with Billy Zane a little bit, like, you know, like the, um, got to do a couple scenes with him and everything like that. I'm just going That's like, cool. I'm going, oh, okay, this is what acting is. Right, uh-huh. right. I think I'm beginning to understand. And, and I tell you what, he could not have been cooler in terms of just giving advice and like just career advice and how to do like it, it was just absolutely a uh, an amazing experience because uh, he did not have to be as kind as he was and uh, and he was just a first class human being and, and just such a talented talented actor so that's was, cool that's always cool when you run into somebody like that you know what I mean because they don't have to be like that and a lot of them aren't you know yeah. what I mean yeah and that's great when you bump into somebody like that because you know just i don't know it's a great way to like you said to pick up things because you haven't had a lot of experience on the set of, of things like that no, you know what i mean so no. to jump in and get some good experience like that from somebody that gets it man that's always great 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now your your podcast. Now I wanted to plug your podcast right quick too because that's so. Who do you who's the co-host with you on that show? So April Hunter, who we actually met years ago in wrestling school at Kowalski's, and she has uh, been a pro wrestler. She's a fitness model, an author, just graduated uh, from Full Sail University with a degree in creative writing um, or screenwriting. Um, so she has a lot going on, and um, we're actually working on a show, like uh, developing a show together. Um, and um, you know, during the pandemic, hey, we should start a podcast. Yeah, whatever. But then, like. There was a, a week went by where like five people told me I should and a bunch of people told her she should. So I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go buy a stupid computer and let's just start a podcast. And, and you know, it, it's so funny. We talk about everything from um, mental health. Like we did a whole thing. We, we interviewed Mick Foley uh, last week. And, uh, you know, one of our uh, former coworkers uh, had passed away um, via suicide. So like we, we did an episode dedicated to mental health and suicide prevention. And yeah. then, um, you know, stuff like that's always just, um, you know, it, it's pretty powerful when you get to kind of touch different bases like that. And then we've also talked about really silly stuff. And, uh, and then, you know, try, what we try to do is we try to kind of not, not make it like, like we were saying before, right? Like, I guess we try to be the MySpace of podcasts, right? Where we, we don't want to talk about like extreme right, extreme left, um, right. we try to like do our own research, present some information and let people think for themselves. And, and the thing we like to promote on it is civility. Um, we, we have, I mean, we, we've talked about conspiracy theories. We, we've had, um, God, uh, one of the leading, uh, Billy, Billy Ray Valentine, not the guy from, uh, the Eddie Murphy movie, but the, uh, he has his own podcast. He's a pretty well-known conspiracy theorist. And, um, you know, okay, let's, what, what does he have to say about all this stuff just to listen and engage and, sure, um, sure. and, you know, there's a lot of times April and I don't agree on subjects, but it's cool because we get to just talk them out and be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Now moving on. Um, and, and it just, I, I think the world needs more of it. Uh, we also, yeah, we also yeah. do agree on a lot of subjects. You know, um, yeah, especially people who are like uh, uh, well-read, like if somebody's well-read, whether I agree where they're getting their information from or not, uh, then they can hold down an intelligent end of their conversation. I'll sit there and listen to somebody for as long as they want to talk, man, because uh, whether I agree, disagree or whatever, I'll be able to walk away from that conversation having learned something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Again, it's like human civility and, and you don't you've made a friend, not an enemy. So like, how cool is right. that? Right, exactly, exactly. Now you can get your your podcast available everywhere, right? Uh, Apple. Oh yeah, uh, we're on uh, YouTube, uh, Patreon, Twitch. It's uh, you can go to um, Twitter. It's at underscore the A Show, or, or actually, you know what? It's it's really easy. Go to my Twitter. It's Aaron's Thoughts, A R O N S Thoughts, and um, you can find out all the information on the A Show there. Or actually, more importantly, you can go to my gram because I guess Instagram's the way to go now. Um, I'm still working yeah, on getting right. that. Like I, I have the blue check mark on Twitter. I'm still working on that little stupid one for Instagram. Um, but my Instagram is the Aaron Files, T H E A R O N Files, and uh, you can go find all about the A Show there. And just again, you know, see uh, see if you like it. And like I said, uh, my my catchphrase on the show is: if you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't, tell an enemy. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. We didn't even get to our catchphrase on the show this time around because it's usually when when we're getting deep into some sports on some stuff. So I'll have to throw you one on wrestling because, you know, the show is DWMOD. So it's disagree with me or don't. So I'll throw this one at you. Um, When I was a kid, my favorite wrestler that I watched on TV was George Animal Steel because 
I just thought he was hilarious. And I thought that did it. Did him not getting a chance to hold the belt for at least a minute was horrible. So you can disagree with me or don't on that. He ate the ring. He would literally. <laughs> I love it. How cool is that? And, and you know I, what? The, I, did you know this? He was a school teacher in real life. In Michigan. Yes. Yes. So he would go teach school. And then like in yep. the summers, he would go wrestle. But I mean, that's just how crazy is that? Like, yeah, yeah. He but, would coach the football team and teach school. And then he would go wrestle in the summers. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a lunatic. He'd go eat the ring and do all that crazy stuff. I mean, that, that's the best. Uh, he was always my favorite when I was a kid. I was like, just let the guy hold the belt for like oh, yeah? one second, the Intercontinental. You know what I mean? Like, just let him have it for one second, man. Like, some of my favorite matches when I was a kid was him and Macho Man going at it over Elizabeth. Like, oh, it was yes. it was just hilarious to me. Like, this guy thought at all he had a chance to get to Elizabeth, and then she would be like, oh, she felt so sad for him. So it just, again, touched on the human element right there. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about appealing to the human condition. <laughs> It was great. So that's the only disagree with me or don't. I can get in on that. And apparently we agree. Oh, yes, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, rest in peace, George. He just passed away a couple of years ago, you know, but he had a good run. I mean, for rest, I think he was into his 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a hell of a run. That's a hell of a run, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and they weren't being as cautious back in his day with taking care of their health and the bumps and stuff. No, so that's no, a good run, weren't. man. So, yeah, no, he was, he did it. <laughs> it was, man. Well, listen, brother, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and doing the show again, man. I know you're a busy dude. Um, it was great. Want to make sure everybody's getting, you know, I'm going to post out your uh, Twitter and your Instagram and stuff right from our website so people can get, get to that oh and watch the show, you. check your stuff out. No doubt about it. Um, I'm sure if they IMDb you, we'll see what's up with that movie with Billy Zane yes. when that's coming out. Yes. Should be next that, year. Okay. That'll be great. And we'll listen, man. We'll have to do this again. I'll see if we can get with Ryan and maybe we'll do do a threesome talking about some old road stories. Oh, we People could would do love some that. road stories. That'll be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be great, brother. All right. Well, you have a good one, man. Be safe. And uh, let's keep watching that NWA. Keep it rolling. NWA power is great, man. And we'll see you next time. Hey, right on. Thank you. All right, brother.